Well, what's up, Salt Company? You guys can have a seat. Small crowd tonight. How's everyone doing? Great, that's awesome. Okay, my name is Kaylee, if we haven't met. I'm one of the interns on staff here. So, no, I'm not a student. And yes, I'm short. Okay? <laughs> so, I have the privilege of continuing our series in the Psalms tonight. Um, and I want to know how many of you are roller coaster fans? Raise your hands. Great, good turnout. Great. How many of you have been to Worlds of Fun in Kansas City? Yes, okay. How many of you have ridden the Mamba? Okay, perfect. Wow, a lot more than I thought. Okay, the Mamba is one of my favorite roller coaster rides. It's like 205 feet tall, and you go like 75 miles per hour down the first drop. And one summer I was there with my dad, and we kept riding it like over and over and over again because there was no line. So we're going up, and I'm getting a little nervous. Keep looking down. Okay, we're getting a little bit higher up. And finally, we're up to the top. All of a sudden, we're just flying down the first drop. And then you get to the bottom, and all your momentum just slams on you because you're going so fast. And then you're going up the second one, and then you just fly down the second one again. Up and down and up and down. And I can't help but think that being on a roller coaster is a lot like life. One minute, you're at the top, and everything's going great, and you're full of joy and anticipation. And then the next minute, you're plunging down to the bottom, feeling the weight of the world around you. One minute, we're praising God, and then the next minute, we're asking him where he is and wondering if we've been forgotten. Salt Company, have you been there? Do you feel like you're getting whiplash from the good, the bad, and the ugly of this world? Because I do. <laughs> There's this roller coaster ride called marriage, and wow, nothing can quite prepare you for that one. But maybe for you, it's the slowness of summer turning into the busyness of the school year. Or maybe things were going really well in your relationship, and then now you're dealing with a breakup. Or maybe you had so much joy and support from friends, but now you're feeling lonely and isolated. What do we do? What do we do when the hard seasons feel so hard and we can't make it through? I think the answer to that actually comes from this question. Where is your hope? So all company, where is your hope? Because your answer will determine whether the sorrows of this life will consume you or if they'll point you to hope in something greater than this pain, this darkness, and this life. Our passage tonight is Psalm 42, and we'll see the psalmist riding an emotional roller coaster of confidence in the Lord and then deep despair in his circumstances. Up and down he goes, but then two times he asks himself, why am I down? Why is there chaos within me? Then he urges his soul to hope in God. And that leads to the title of my message, which is a question that satisfies. My goal tonight is to help us see that God gives us hope that is greater than our circumstances. God gives us hope that is greater than our circumstances. So let's jump into God's word and open to Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, 
So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So point one is God is the answer to your longings. Long for him above all else. God is the answer to your longings. Long for him above all else. The psalmist is longing for God desperately, wanting to be in his presence and remembering a time when he was joyfully on his way to be with God. And he's longing for that because right now he has no hope in whatever circumstance he's facing. We'll unpack that more in a minute, but first I wanna add some context. The Psalm was written by the sons of Korah, likely during the time of King David. The sons of Korah were great leaders in Israel especially when it came to directing and coordinating worship. Think Daniel Reed. That's why the little intro in your Bible for this psalm starts with, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. It shows they wrote a mascal, a musical term, to the choir master. They wrote 11 of the psalms in the Bible, expressing longing for God in deep devotion to him. But that wasn't always the case for these men. Korah, as in the sons of Korah, the ancestor to the sons of Korah, was alive back in Moses' time. And to sum up his story, he faced judgment for rebelling against Moses and Aaron's authority that God gave them, and he was swallowed up by the earth. Like literally, the earth opened up beneath him and swallowed him. Talk about quick judgment. You can check out that story in number 16. But I think this shows us the kind of men Korah's sons became after that incident. They were humble, God-fearing men that had reverence for God instead of pride and rebellion against him. We see that in the psalm. In the midst of sorrow, the psalmist doesn't rebel or pridefully tell God what to do, but instead he longs to be with God, knowing that God alone is where he'll find his hope and comfort in this trial. That doesn't keep him from being honest, though, about where he's at. In verse 1, his circumstances are so bad, he's panting for God, like a deer pants for water. He needs God desperately, and without him, he feels like he's going to die, just like we feel on a hot July day without water. In verse 2, he continues this theme of thirsting, longing for God, because whatever he's going through is keeping him from being in the presence of God. He asks When shall I come and appear before God? That question is significant because during this time, the only way you can encounter God's presence is by going to the tabernacle, a movable tent God instructed Israel to build so that he could actually live among his people. He goes on to poetically describe how hard this season actually is, that his tears have been his food day and night. And on top of that, whoever is around him right now adds to his misery and taunts him with lies, asking, where is your God? 
Verse 4 shows he longs for the joy he once had. A better season when he was going with a group, a throng, leading them to the house of God, the tabernacle. What joy he had traveling to Jerusalem, anticipating being in the, tre- in the presence of God. Can you think of a time when you were longing for something? For me, I can remember when I was little and all I wanted to be was a mom. And when I figured out that wasn't actually a major that you could do in college, I decided being a nurse that took care of babies was a better option. So I worked really hard through college so I get, could get into nursing school. And then once I got into nursing school, I was one step closer to the dream I longed for. So I worked really hard through nursing school so I could work at Children's Hospital in the NICU, which is the unit that takes care of babies. So I get into children's, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to be placed in the NICU. And after seven weeks, I get matched to the NICU. My dream had come true. I get to be, I get to be a nurse that takes care of babies. This is what I've hoped for and longed for for as long as I can remember. But a few weeks after working night shift, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, and this isn't all I thought it would be. Now, on top of that, I was going through a bad breakup and I lost all of my college community because I had just graduated. Nothing was panning out like I thought. And I was starting to hear the same voice as the psalmist. Where is your God? Salt Company, have you been there? Maybe you're in a season of waiting, longing for God to provide that job, that spouse, that direction, that desire in your heart. Or maybe you're in a hard season, longing for relief, for joy, for hope, for anything to get you through. Having hopes and dreams are normal, and most of the time good. But here's where it gets problematic. Your desires cannot become greater than your longing for God. Your desires cannot become greater than your longing for God. When you put your hope in something other than God, that's called idolatry. And God commands against this so many times in scripture, not to hinder us, but to protect us. I'm telling you that whatever you want more than God will not satisfy. It won't. It won't deliver on everything you hope it will. Your dream career, your relationship status, your sexual desire, your family's approval, even an end to your suffering. None of those things will give you the hope that helps you get through the roller coaster of life. And I want you to ask yourself honestly, just as the psalmist does, why are you so down? Why are you discontent? Is it because your hope is not in God? Verse 5 says, Hope in God, for you shall again praise him. He is your salvation and your God. So point one is God is the answer to your longings. Long for him above all else. And point two is going to explain why God is the hope you're longing for. Let's start back up in verse six. My soul is cast down within me. 
Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In this section, we see that even though he feels depressed, he wrestles with the fact that God is still the same God, even if his circumstances have changed. This is the same God he once joyfully traveled to worship. This is the same God in the hard seasons as in the exciting ones. And so point two is he is the same God. Remember who he is. He is the same God. Remember who he is. Look at verse six. He says, my soul is cast down within me. He's saying, I'm sad. I'm deeply discouraged. So what does he do? Therefore, I remember you. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, because I'm sad, I remember and reflect on God. Up until now, he's been mourning over his circumstances to himself, but here he changes directions and turns to the Lord in his grief. He boldly took his emotions to God. So he calls out to God where he's at, both physically and emotionally, and he says, deep calls to deep. The depths of his soul is crying out to the depths of who God is. He's pouring out everything in him, longing to be satisfied by everything God is. Salt, have you been there? Have you poured out everything you have left, grasping for hope? In verse 7, he describes his circumstances like being at rock bottom, where he's being pushed down to the depths by roaring waterfalls and crashing waves. He's so overwhelmed, so powerless, so depressed. It's, it's as if he's looking up from the bottom of the ocean floor, longing to be rescued from God or by God. But even in his deep sorrow, you can see that he actually, actually believes in God. As he says, God, all your waterfalls, all your waves have gone over me. With that in mind, he remembers who God is in verse 8. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He has faith that the God who commands the waves is the God that commands his love over him. The Hebrew word, word he uses here for Lord is translated to Yahweh. You can tell because every time the word Lord is in all caps in your Bible, that's translated to Yahweh. The name God calls himself, meaning I am who I am. 
So the psalmist isn't saying, Lord, as in the Lord and King of my life, although that's true. He's saying the Lord, as in the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God who has made a covenantal promise to his people and has been faithful for generations, the God who has saved his people and been with them through every hill and every valley they've walked through. He's displaying confidence and faith in God despite his circumstances. He continues in verse nine with, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He's still talking to God, questioning him actually about his circumstances, wondering why he feels like he's been forgotten. Why does he have to endure evil? He describes his state as having a deadly wound in his bones. I can tell you, as a previous nurse, that's not good. It's really not looking good for him. <laughs> you don't want that. But on top of that, his enemies taunt him again, asking, where is your God? Making him question and doubt God. And if I'm being honest, this Psalm has hit home for me over the last year. Many of you know I got married last August, and like I said earlier, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. Like I said earlier, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Before marriage, I felt like I was this confident, secure woman. And then after marriage, I feel like I've had so many personal doubts, so many lies flooding my mind, wondering how on earth we're gonna make it through, and feeling a lot like the psalmist, in the sea, getting taken down further and further with every wave. Most days, I'm just longing to be out of conflict, out of my own depressing thoughts, and out of this hard season. And now I'm the one asking the honest question, where are you, God? Where are you? because it doesn't feel like you're here and you're not doing anything to help me through this hard season. But just like the psalmist, I have a choice to make. Do I let my hopeless season consume me? Or do I hope in the unchangeable character of God? Another way to say this, Will I let my circumstances define God or will I let God define my circumstances? Soul Company, you have the same choice to make. Will you dare to believe that God is the same God in your suffering as he is on the day he died for you on the cross? Will you look back and trace his faithfulness in your life over the years, even if it's just giving you breath in your lungs and making your heart continue to beat? Will you cling to him as your rock while simultaneously crying out to him with all of your sorrow and grief? I'm not saying that you can't wrestle with doubt or have deep, dark emotions, because God doesn't say that. 
But I am saying, at the end of the day, he is the same God, and we must remember who he is. You can come to him, honestly, with all of your emotions, but your emotions are not ultimate. He is. Because if everything we heard tonight is true, then the God who saved you from your sin is the same God that will save you from your circumstances. The God that sees your tears is the same God that cried with such anguish that he sweat blood the night before he was crucified, pleading to the Father for another way. But Hebrews 12 says what carried him through. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus endured suffering because he had a hope, a joy greater than his circumstances. His joy and his hope helping him get through was saving you. Loving you, defeating sin and evil for you. This is incredible news that brings immeasurable hope. He's the same God that loves you and will save you. If not now, then when he comes back. Because Revelation says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In light of who God is and the hope that he brings, how can I remain hopeless? Salt Company, why are you down? And where is your hope? For the Christian in the room, where are you at? Have you forgotten who God is because of the weight of the world around you? Or have you turned away from him because you doubt his plans and his goodness? Fix your eyes on Jesus, not your circumstances. Throw off every burden and every sin that deceives and distracts us from him. And then run this race with endurance as Christ endured the cross because his eyes were fixed on you. Look to Jesus and have hope. This might look like taking your raw emotions to the Lord through journaling or praying out loud and training your heart to turn to God and pour out your soul to him. And then maybe you start memorizing verses like verse 11 in this psalm, and you can say to yourself when you're overwhelmed and, or discouraged, actually preaching to yourself the truth of God's word, clinging to the hope that you have despite how you feel. You can even just breathe, and while inhaling, say whatever emotion you're feeling, like, I feel hopeless. And then exhaling, say, but God, I trust you. Whatever you do, don't suffer alone. 
Tell your friends, tell your city group leader, tell a staff member, we're here for you. For the non-Christian, where do you find your hope? Is it in yourself, your success, your plan, your relationship, your idea of an easy, happy life? Because all of that will not satisfy. The only hope that will not fade, change, or fail you is God, your creator, your sustainer, your savior. Put your hope in him alone. Salt Company, if you want a hope that will help you endure the roller coaster of life, Jesus is your answer. Because God gives us hope that is greater than our circumstances. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Who are we, God, that you would be mindful of us? The creator of the world, the creator of the waves, the creator of all of us. God, you saved us. You saw us and you saved us, God. And you're doing the same thing right now. God, would you help us? Would you help us throw off everything that we put above you? God, would we long for you above everything this world has to offer? God, would you help us see you for who you are? Not the lies in our head, not what other people say, not the misconceived view of who you are in our heads because of our circumstances. God, would we actually see you? God, would we see that you're the same God that saved us and will save us? Would we remember who you are? And would we put our hope in you alone? God, we love you so much and we need you. Amen.